What's up, everybody? Before we jump into chapter 12, let me wrap up the end of chapter 11. After the vision regarding the two witnesses, John sees the seventh angel sound the seventh trumpet, initiating the final series of judgments known as the seven bowls judgment or the bowls of wrath. However, we are not there yet as we will not get to the uh, to the seven bowls until chapter 16. So you have to take a look and or you should look at this like a movie or a show that has multiple storylines happening at the same time and they cut away from one storyline to show you another storyline that is happening at the same time. Then they go back to the original storyline and pick up where they left off. The end of chapter 11 does a couple of things. It shows a forward glimpse of the rejoicing and celebrating that happens as the final judgments are completed, ushering in the reign of the Messiah and his kingdom on earth. They are rejoicing and praising God because the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding his servants, the prophets, and his people who revere his name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroyed the earth. They are celebrating the punishment of the wicked and and the reward promised to the believers, Jew and Gentile alike. It also shows in the timeline that things are happening at the same time or overlapping. For example, the account of the two witnesses happened simultaneously with all the uh, previous judgments that, you know, that led up to the end of the sixth trumpet or second woe. Chapter 11 ends with the start or sounding of the seventh trumpet to indicate that the next few chapters will be, and the things that are described will be happening at the same time as the seven bowls judgments are being poured out, taking us through the last part of the tribulation period. Chapter 11 ends with verse 19, and it says, then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of his Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. The first part of this regarding God, the temple, and the Ark of the Covenant, which, by the way, represents the presence of God, is showing that God's presence is still with his people. Those who revere his name and worship him can still trust that his presence is with them. Now regarding the last part involving the lightning, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. Lightning and thunder are commonly associated with the power of God manifesting itself or being expressed in a visual or audible way. When God speaks, it sounds like thunder, you know, hence the voice of the seven thunders. They symbolize the power of God and the earthquake and hailstorm or the natural disasters or phenomenons speak to the judgment of God. Also, it is important to note the pattern that has developed. Revelation 4 5 mentions lightning, rumblings, and thunder just prior to Jesus opening the seals on the scroll and beginning the judgments. Then in Revelation 8 5, it mentions lightning, uh, rumblings, thunders, and an earthquake. You know, this is at the seventh seal, which is the beginning of the trumpet judgments. Now in chapter, uh, in chapter 11, verse 19, with the sound of the seventh trumpet, which signals the start of the seven bowls judgment, you see lightnings, rumblings, thunders, earthquake, and hail. So what you see is the power of God and his judgments increasing in severity with each series of judgments. In chapter 16, though, at the point where the seventh and final bowl of judgment is poured out, you will uh, see this pattern once again signifying the increase in severity of God's uh, final judgment. So you see how it started out with just, you know, 
lightning, rumblings, and thunder. Then it went to lightnings, rumblings, thunders, and an earthquake. Then it went to uh, lightning, rumblings, thunder, uh, and an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. And you see it continually increasing with each series of judgments. So, okay, we can now jump into the first part of chapter 12 regarding the woman and the dragon. This chapter is intense and rich with content, so we will break it up into two parts. Today, we will identify the woman, the child, and the dragon while helping to make sense of what is happening and where it fits in the timeline. We will look at how the woman is protected from the dragon, causing the dragon to um, become enraged and will ultimately go after her offspring and wage war against them. Now, chapter 1 I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 1 says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. So let's clarify who the woman is, and we will use scripture to do that. Genesis 37 tells us about the dream that Joseph had, and the one he told his brothers and mother and father about, saying they would bow down to him. Well, it just so happens that Joseph's dream reveals who and what the sun, moon, and crown with 12 stars represent regarding the woman's description. Genesis 37.9 says, Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. The sun was his father, of course, the moon represented his mother, and the eleven stars were his brothers. Altogether, they represent the nation of Israel, all the Jewish people. Um, so we know that this woman is a sign or symbol representing the nation of Israel or the people of Israel. So also you, would, you wouldn't take that description literal anyways because the description is preceded with the statement that, is, that says that it is a sign or symbol. You know, then it describes the sign. Next, it says that the woman was in pain and about to give birth. So we know that the woman represents Israel. And Israel suffered in pain throughout the different empires that ruled over it, leading up to the Roman Empire that subjugated it, uh, that subjugated the nation of Israel during the birth, ministry, and death and resurrection of the Messiah. So, who did the nation uh, of Israel give birth to? Well, that would be the Messiah, Jesus. And that will become more clear if it isn't already uh, in a few minutes. So, verse 3. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Okay, so I love that when referring to the woman or Israel, he says a great sign appeared. But when referring to the dragon, he just says another sign appeared. Anyways, just something that I, that I noticed there that I liked. The dragon is depicted with seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on its heads. Due to our previous study of Daniel and its direct connection with the book of Revelation, we know that the ten horns represent the ten kings and kingdoms that the world will be divided into during the first half of the tribulation period. But during the second half of the tribulation period, the last three and a half years, the Antichrist is empowered or indwelt by Satan, and he eliminates three of those kings. The Bible says he subdues them, which... We will uh, discuss more later, and that leaves seven rulers represented by the seven heads on the dragon, and the seven crowns on the seven heads indicate that they are rulers. Okay, 
So all of which is on the body of the dragon, meaning that the dragon controls them. This shows that the dragon who indwells the Antichrist during this time will strike down three of the rulers and establish himself as supreme ruler over the world with the seven remaining kings or rulers serving him and ruling the ten kingdoms of the world represented by the ten horns that are on the dragon. All, of course, under the authority of Satan who indwells the Antichrist during this time. You know, if you ju- if you haven't uh, yet, just take a look at Daniel chapter 7, specifically verse 24, as it references that. Now, next, John says the dragon, who we know as Satan, uh, with its tail swept one-third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. This will make more sense as we move through this chapter. But we know, due to the previous scripture, that the stars are a reference to angels. And the sky is referring to heaven. We know that the dragon is Satan, as it will plainly state that in verse 9 later. So what we have here is a glimpse of Satan's rebellion against God and his influence over one-third of the angels that causes them to be thrown out of heaven and ending up on the earth. Also, more we'll definitely discuss more on this later. Now, the dragon is said to be standing in front of the woman who is about to give birth, waiting to devour her child as soon as he is born. So therefore, we know it's a he. So the nation of Israel gives birth to the Messiah. We know that. The Messiah comes through the nation of Israel. And that is made clear by the reference that he will rule the nations of the world with an iron scepter, referring to the millennial reign of Christ. You can take a look at Psalm 2. Uh, verses 7 through 9, it says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. And this is, when you read it, it's referring to Jesus. And he says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance um, and, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with, an, with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. So, the Messiah comes to finish the work of redemption on the cross, but the devil waits to devour him in death, basically, hoping that the grave and hell could hold him. But as we know, Jesus defeats death, hell, and the grave, and ultimately shows Satan who is in charge as he leaves Satan behind to soak in his defeat. Then it says that the child, or Jesus, was snatched up to God and to his throne. So, Satan thought he could ruin God's plan for redemption and could defeat Jesus in death. But Jesus put the devil in check and reminded him who has all the authority. Then while the devil was enraged with his defeat, Jesus ascends to his throne in heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Since the beginning, Satan has been trying to corrupt God's plan to stop it or prevent God's plan from being completed or finished. You know, Satan corrupted man in the garden and sin entered the world. God put a plan in motion, though, to redeem man and reconcile us unto him. You know, what does Satan do? He corrupts Cain, and and Cain kills Abel, making Cain a murderer and Abel's dead. So Satan thinks he has stopped God's plan somehow, you know, in its tracks. But then comes the third child uh, of Adam and Eve, which is Seth. And Seth is an ancestor of Noah. And Seth is also mentioned in Luke's genealogy, going back through Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, for all intents and purposes. And Satan tried to corrupt the people during Noah's time, and God wiped them out 
but preserved Noah because he was righteous. And through Noah, God continued on with his plan. You know, he carried his plan on. You know, Abraham was called out to be the father of many. You know, and he became the one who the nation of Israel would come from. You know, and Satan then had a laser focus on Israel, knowing that the Messiah was promised to come out of the nation of Israel through the line of David, which I believe Satan worked hard to corrupt and ruin David and his line as well. But with Satan's uh, focus on Israel, they became public enemy number one. And history would show that there is no group of people on the planet that have ever been more persecuted and hated than the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. The countries around it to this day still want to wipe them off the map, but God won't let it happen. Satan tried to stop God's plan when, when Jesus was crucified in place of the tomb, but he suffered defeat once again. Satan will continue until the end to try somehow to prevent, to prevent God's plan from being fulfilled. The good thing for us is we know how, how that ends because Satan's fate is sealed at, and it is written. We serve a mighty God who is sovereign over all, whose plan will not be stopped, whose promises will be upheld in the end. At the end, Satan loses, and he is desperate to try and stop that, but he cannot. Now, pay attention to the timeline here. We start with knowing the seventh trumpet has been sounded, and we are at the midpoint uh, in the tribulation period. And things we and the things we are looking at are happening simultaneously with the judgments. We started this chapter with you know seeing the woman Israel bringing forth the Messiah uh, to the world. And the dragon wanting to devour that child or the Messiah in death, but loses and is unable to stop God's plan. This taking us back to the time of Christ on earth. And even further back, describing the rebellion and fall of Satan and the angels that followed him you know, and were thrown out of heaven and ended up on the earth. And this that takes us you know, back to the garden, to the beginning. Then in verse 6, it jumps forward to the last three and a half years or second half of the tribulation period known as the Great Tribulation. Verse 6, it says, The woman fled into the wilderness to, to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. This is referring to the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. We will talk more about this later in the chapters that follow, but suffice it to say that once the covenant with Israel is broken, and the Antichrist is indwelt by Satan, becoming the beast that will that will be talked about later as well. He will defile the temple and seek to destroy the woman or the people of Israel. And, and this is the remnant of Israel that God will protect and keep safe from the dragon, from the evil one, during the last three and a half years or 1,260 days. Just as he promised through the words of the prophets long ago. There is a long gap in between, you know, time-wise, in between what the verse 5 is talking about and what verse 6 is talking about. And during that time, Israel has been persecuted beyond belief and scattered and then brought back into their land. You know, God has not allowed them to be wiped out. And even though many of their enemies want nothing more uh, than to wipe them out, uh, but, you know, but God won't let them, you know. But when Satan rises up through the Antichrist, and assumes power and rules over the earth, he will try to destroy God's plan again 
or ruin God's plan and try to destroy God's people once more. But God doesn't allow it. He protects and provides for his people during this time by hiding them in a place that will come, that will come to be known as Petra. You know, but nonetheless, okay, guys, we're going to have to stop there. Um, but tomorrow we pick up with a battle that breaks out in heaven between the good angels led by the archangel Michael and the fallen angels led by Lucifer or Satan. God, once again, you show us that you are a covenant God, a keeper of your word, a God of mercy and grace, even in the midst of judgment and chaos. You are the strong tower that the righteous run to and are safe. You are the shield for your people, the great provider, Jehovah Jireh. Thank you, Jesus, for fighting for us and interceding on our behalf. God, give me wisdom and understanding and speak through me with this podcast. Speak to the hearts of every listener and let your word be like food for the soul. Father, this journey through Revelation has been exciting and rewarding so far, but also challenging. So I ask that you would continue to shine through me and bless all those who are listening. Pour out your favor, Lord, and strengthen them with your righteous right hand. Give your people wisdom and understanding and discernment to know your will and what to say when the opportunity presents itself to share the gospel. Let us be your hands and feet so that we may carry your truth to a hungry world and be a light that points others to you. Amen.